I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Ben Eshmade and this week we're visiting our archive and pulling out a series of interviews with French film director Olivier Assayas, talking about his consecutive films, Clouds of Sils Maria and Personal Shopper. It's not only about losing a brother, it's about losing a twin brother. So it's really like she's half a person and needs to be one again. So let's start back in May 2015 with the director's film Clouds of Seals Maria. The film stars Juliette Binoche as actor Maria Endes, who reluctantly agrees to take a part in a revival of a play that launched her career 20 years previous. The film also stars Christian Stewart as her young assistant Valentine and Chloe Grace Moretz as Joanne Ellis, a celebrity-hounded younger actor. What do I need to do to make you admire me? Do I think too much? <laughs> you, you can't be as accomplished as you are and as well-rounded as an actress as you are and still expect to hold on to the privileges of youth. It just doesn't work like that. Olivier is already responsible for films such as Something in the Air, Summer Hours and Clean. He spoke to me about this film. We started with The Clouds. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I kind of discovered it without knowing what it was. I've I've been going there for a while, just for hiking, you know. So, mm-hmm. so it's a, so. Uh, one day, I'm in my hotel room. I open the window and I see, you know, this really beautiful line of clouds, like floating midair uh, over the over the lake. And I say, "Wow, it's really beautiful." You know, I just take my mobile phone, I take a picture, you know, <laughs> something, and 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 you know, and go back to bed, you know, something like that. And like uh, months later. I'm watching a DVD of a movie called uh, Tourm over Mont Blanc. It's a silent film by Arnold Fang, you know, one who was, you know, one of the pioneers of uh, mountain photography. Mm-hmm. And there's a bonus. There's a and and the bonus is the Maloya cloud phenomenon. And also I discovered that those clouds I had seen like months before were actually famous clouds. Mm-hmm. That it was it, it's actually a cloud phenomenon, you know. I had no idea they were, you know, important clouds. I, I think that discovering that those clouds filmed in, filmed in 1924, uh, you know, when you, when you had those really big, heavy movie cameras and those guys just carried them. It gave a past to that landscape, it gave it a history and it kind of embodied the ghosts in Engadin, the ghosts of, you know, of philosophers, poets, painters, you know, who were inspired in the, in the, in the you know, late 19th century, first part of the 20th century by those landscapes. And then you put these two characters, or more characters, but specifically when we get to that point in the film, you put these two characters against this backdrop, and that, and, and that's and that's the heart of the film. Yes, but it's 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 not a backdrop; it becomes a character on its own. Uh, it, to, to to me, uh, you know, it's it's. I wanted 
space. I wanted uh, light. I wanted summer. You know, to me, it was uh, um, um, uh, it was an outdoor movie which needed that uh, needed sun, color, warmth. But I did not want some kind, you know, of, of chocolate box type of, you mm. know, of, of, of a Swiss landscape. I I I I, I needed a landscape that was um, ambivalent, mm. that had. A, not just something mysterious, something that was both benevolent and malevolent, uh, something that felt, could feel menacing. And the snake brought me that. Yeah. It, it just gave something not nice to the, to, the, to the landscape. It gave it something, you know, just inhabited but by something that can instantly turn against you. And this film is about time or maybe youth and old age. And so obviously for the mountain, that passes so quickly, doesn't it? I mean, I mean that must have come into the equation in your head. Well, yes. I mean, it's, um, it's really what I realized when I was watching the images of the, the Arnold Fang short film, because he's filming uh, mountaintops, clouds, uh, ice falls, whatever, change. They do not move. You know, they, they remain intact through the centuries. And, and, and But here you had that film that kind of captured it on this grainy black and white texture which inscribed time. Mm. So uh, I, I was... I, I was uh, it, it was... Um, um, there was something mysterious, strange about it which had to do with the fact that uh, the, the texture of cinema embodied the passing of time. Mm. Because ultimately, what Arnold Fang filmed was exactly the same thing I was seeing. And at the time, he must have felt when he was filming it that it was pretty accurate. Yeah. And now we have lost touch of that black and white texture of, uh, of cinema. We have moved so far away from it that, that all of a sudden... Time is integrated into the very texture, the very, the, the, the very core of the cinematic texture. Mm. So, I mean, there, were, there, there was something mysterious, poetic, that uh, we are using too many words to try to define, <laughs> but it was extremely important in the, in the process of writing this film. Joanne Ellis's movie is opening up in Europe. She wants to meet you. When? Next week. Where? Wherever you want. She'll come here if you'd like. Definitely not here. Maybe I'll tell her to book the vault house. Have you Googled her? Well, I just looked at the pictures. Well, you should dig a little deeper. Won't take you long to find all the naked photos. The latest updates on her exploits. Such as? Her breakup? Andrew Beltram? Any idea who that is? I don't know. What world do you live in? He's like, he's the biggest star. Tess who? Preteens? Oh. Hey, there are a shit ton of them, so be careful. It's quite interesting as well in the sense that this film is obviously, uh, it's a film and a play within a film. And, and she's just come off the Barbican stage, actually. <laughs> so it's, um, was, was it fun to use that side of her, her talent, both as a stage and as a film actress? Juliette is like the blueprint for, for, for Marie Anders. I like the idea of someone who's doing prestigious stage productions in, you know, in, uh, in, on, on, on international 
stages, who plays in Godzilla 2 and who uh, at the same time does indie films in Europe, you know. So it's, it's, uh, uh, I think she's a very interesting symptom of what modern actress is, mm. who is open-minded, tries various things, circulates within. When you are a filmmaker, most often you make movies in Hollywood, you stay in Hollywood making your movies, you're in Europe, you make your indie European films, so on and so forth. You don't walk the full scope of what yeah. the, the media has become. Actresses are confronted, all the different sides of it. I suppose that's the reason why I made the film in, in, in English, because it's something a French-speaking actress would not do. Uh, Juliette happens to be bilingual. She happens mm. to have like two careers. She has like one career in France and one career uh, one, and one international career. So it's uh, so she she could embody modernity of uh, absorbing the the ever changing shape of the, of the art form. We started with talking about the mountains. I mean, one of the one other thing I thought was quite maybe similar is the sense that these characters, whether they know it or not, are all of them are reasonably lost. They're at a place in their lives where things are changing maybe out of their out of their control and that's something yes. that you explore yes 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 it's uh, i mean the ultimately the one stable character ends up to be as being joanne mm-hmm. <laughs> you know she has she is very determined she knows exactly what she's doing how she's doing it she's totally in control even when she pretends she's not maria alias uh, juliette uh, she just uh, went through a divorce obviously a painful divorce there's no other relationship really in her life so it's all about her work, as as can of happen fairly often with actors, mm. you know. And Valentine is a she's she's an expat. She's mm. really she's uh, you know she's she's an American living in Europe, doing you know just making money, being uh, be, being Juliet's assistant. But her life is elsewhere. So uh, so we 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 have uh, those characters who are like completely cut off, and and they're uh, also in the middle of nowhere in the Swiss mountains. So so they are totally into whatever they are doing and what they happen to be doing is trying to make sense of the dynamics between those two characters in that. How did you come to choose uh, Kristen and um, Chloe? I mean, were you looking for people that you felt had some similar aspects to to Juliet? Um, Kristen was a pretty obvious choice because I think she's amazing. I've always thought she was amazing. You know, I mean, now I read pieces about people saying, oh, I, I love her in Clouds of Sils Maria. I never realized she could act. I mean, she's been an excellent actress ever since she started and she never made a wrong move as far as I'm concerned. Uh, no, so I, I was, you know, I, I mean, she was like certainly my first choice and, and she was, uh, uh, I, I felt incredibly privileged to be able to work with her, meaning not, not just working with her, but working with her exactly at that moment there is that age when an actress all of a sudden di- discovers her the scope of her talent she realizes she can do things she had never even dreamed she could do and all of a sudden you know she just flies away you know so and, and chloe how did you come to that decision oh uh, chloe, chloe was uh, uh, i mean chloe impressed me i mean you know it's it's uh, i mean she she uh, she turned 17 on the shoot she turned 17 on Tuesday. I mean, she went 16 when we were shooting most of that stuff. I mean, it's, it, to me, it's, it, it's, it's a very complex, sophisticated part with different layers. There's irony, there's a sense of humor. I mean, she, she has all that. Mm. She has all that. But I, I mean, you know, I, I, I cast her because uh, I, I, I liked her very much and we 
Skyped, <laughs> as sometimes you do cast these days, and and then I realized how young she was, and I totally freaked out. I said, "Oh my God! I mean, you know, I suppose she's an actress. She has an affair with a, you know, a young man, but much older than her. I mean, I flew to Toronto to meet her, and I just." Loved her instantly. Mm-hmm. I think she's amazing. You know, I mean, she 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 has a maturity that's just like way beyond way beyond her years. She's a she's a she's the nicest person. She's the smartest actress. I thought you know just she, she was just perfect for the part. I don't think you understand how much of an honor this is for me. When I was fifteen, I saw um oh my god the movie you did with with the CIA and Harrison Ford. I'm so sorry, I'm blanking. Um, Beetle on its back. Sidney Pollack was really nice, but sometimes I didn't understand what I was saying, so I was too shy to ask. But fortunately, Harrison was there to help. <laughs> A lot. The interesting thing about her is the fact that she doesn't have that much screen time, mm. but we we see her through uh, videos and and, and, mm. and Google images. No, no, it's it's it. She exists simultaneously in in this kind of you know uh, abstract uh, territory of YouTube, and she's a, and she's also a real life character who happens to be extremely different from the you know the media distorted image we have we have of her, and also brutally ambitious the same way. I mean, you know, just reflecting to Juliette mm. uh, what she might have been at her at her age and ultimately how cruel she had been herself to the older actors she was working with is there a sense that when you're when you're writing um, that you you create these characters and as we said we've got an amazing character or backdrop to it do, do, do you kind of like place them in this thing and then just set them off and see where they go it's not the worst way of summing it up. <laughs> it's uh, sometimes it feels like that. It's, it's, it's a tiny bit more complex than that because it's you know it's a process really of channeling things. Mm-hmm. But I, I I I like to channel things to a point where I kind of control things because I've designed the framework, but where I can let them go loose yeah. and see what happens and be a spectator of what happens. I was, I was watching back some of your previous films and just trying to sort of see the sort of running themes and ideas. One thing I think is very strong in your work, and, and it's definitely in, in this case it, it, it's the same, is that you, you don't judge people. Mm. You, don't, you don't kind of say that person's good or mm. bad. You try and show that it's much more complicated than that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think that's what humanity is about. Uh, cinema should not be ideological. It should not be defined by uh, some message, where, you know, one-dimensional one message you're trying to convey. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It should be about showing you the complexity of the world. You, I, I don't think ethically in cinema uh, you can... Uh, be only on one side. You have to be on both sides. And even if you yourself, you feel more on this or that side, ultimately, you have to have the capacity. That's what fiction is about and what the better fiction is about. You have the capacity to project yourself in the opposite worldview mm. and, and represent it as honestly as, uh, as your own. You saw Sigrid's ambition and you saw her violence because you felt it in yourself. So? So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's going to change perspective based on where you're standing. We should go. We're going to miss the snake. There won't be any snake. You seem a man who works very hard. <laughs> Never stops. I mean, what, what, I presume you've got two or three projects already kind of on, on the go. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes and no. I mean, you know, I will be shooting this summer or are at the latest at the end of the summer. Uh, in the middle, I had a project in the US, which kind of fell apart, which is not a nice experience uh, and didn't, you know, just um, generate any sympathy for the system on my side. Um, uh, but, you know, but still we might revive that project. Who knows? So, yeah, no, I'll, I will be shooting in the summer in, in, in a few months. Moving quickly forward to February 2019 and an unlikely supernatural story set in the fashion underworld of Paris in Personal Shopper. Inspired after working with Christian Stewart on Clouds of Sils Maria, he wrote his next film for the actor. Stewart plays medium Maureen, who is trying to contact her twin brother, who died of an affliction that she shares. Meanwhile, she works for a superficial German supermodel, whose day-to-day fashion whims she has to supply. What are you doing in Paris? I'm waiting. I'm gonna go. What are you waiting for? My uh, brother died here. My my twin brother died in Paris. An accident? No. No heart attack. I actually have the same malformation. Olivier spoke to me again. I was going to talk about the sort of maybe here continuation between films because um, Kristen Stewart who plays Maureen uh, played Valentine in The Clouds of Sils Maria she disappeared so it's quite nice because she disappeared and appears <laughs> and she, in Paris she comes back she comes back in Paris yeah I mean you know it's, it's, I did not exactly imagine it that way but it was, it was always present in the back of my mind that it would end up the way it's understood, <laughs> you know, that it would be part of the film in a strange way. I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's when, when you when you use an actress in two similar parts into 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 movies back to back. I mean, it, mm. it kind of creates that kind of, uh, and 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 I, I kind of like the notion. I could have made this another another actress, but in this case, it kind of echoes in a, in in an, in an interesting way. But it, it mostly has to do with my relationship with Kristen. Really, mm. I mean, it's it's because it's. Uh, I'm like the, everybody else. I mean, I kind of discovered her when we were shooting, while we were shooting Clouds of Sils Maria. I mean, you know, I really admired her, loved her. I was so happy she was part of the film, but I, I had no idea of the nuances of the, you know, of the, of the, the subtlety of what she could create. 
create, I mean, given, given the right space yeah. and the right character. As happy as I was, I was also a bit frustrated because I realized that I could push her much further if, if, if it had been a more, a more layered part. I mean, you know, the Val Valentin is kind of one dimensional. I mean, it's always been mm. written like that and it works like that. Part, part of imagining a, a personal shopper was also about figuring out, you know, what the other dimension of that character was and, and also the excitement of maybe trying to walk that path with, uh, with Kristen. When we see the character of Maureen for the first time, I think the best way of describing her, she's a lost figure. We, we, which is something we gradually understand, right? She, she's a bit of a cipher initially, and then, and, and then gradually we understood a little bit more about her and finally basically why she's doing whatever she's doing and why she's in Paris in the first place. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, she's, uh, she's like half a person. You know, she's grieving, but it's not only about losing a brother, it's about losing her twin brother. So it's really like she's half a person and needs to be uh, one again. Practically, once you knew you wanted to work with her more, did you sort of talk to her about what you were thinking about? Did you no, involve her in the script I, I in any way? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I don't do that. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, it was more like, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, I thought it would be that the process could be complicated and maybe she would find the part too weird or whatever. Mm-hmm. whatever. It's a comedy, it's a genre film. It's also dark. It, it, there's something dark within yeah. the film. So, it's a, so I, you know, I, I could understand that she would not be at ease with that. She was in Paris. We had a drink. And I told her, you know, uh, I've, I've written this new screenplay and, and, and she said, I want to read it. I want to read it. That is, you know, uh, if, if there's a part for me, I would love to do it. I said, Kristen, well, you just read it first before we start <laughs> discussing it, you know. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and so she read it and she wanted to do it and 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 there was there was something completely obvious about it it yeah. was completely but it, so so i think she kind of understood exactly i mean the, the thing is that we we have this kind of non-verbal communication we do we don't have like big conversation but we are just like exactly on the same uh, wavelength i mean it's a big compliment someone writing a, a screenplay with you in mind for the central character yeah 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 yes and and you know i think she uh, actors are in a certain way more aware of writers of uh, what the movies actually are. When you write, it's a figment of your imagination. It's, mm. a, it's, it's a bit abstract. It's more a blueprint than, uh, than anything else. But for an actor, he reads the screenplay and he just basically has to figure out exactly how he will go through those yeah. scenes, how he will go through those emotions, and they become very real. So I, I think she was, she, in a certain sense, she was more aware than me of where this movie was leading us. Again, because you got to work with her for a second time, mm-hmm. could you p- push her at certain points? Did you, did you redo scenes many times, or, or was there anything that you did? Um, it's, uh, honestly, I had no pushing to do because she would really like push herself she, she would she would usually go much further than whatever i had anticipated in every single scene i mean you know i think uh, you know it's it's really like uh, there were many ways of approaching that character and 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 and, and that film but she grabbed every opportunity to push it as far as she could. It was really exciting, but it, it, it you know, I kind of, tr- I tried to channel it. It immediately changed my perspective. I mean, you know, like the, the, the second she was on set for the first scene, I knew that there would be no limit for her, you know. She, 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 would, she would try and go as far as she could in every single scene. And, and you know, and that's why, when I understood that she let this character and those situations echo fairly deep in her but that's the way she functions also you know she has to be completely uh, involved with the character 
What was the first scene? Was it chronological order? Actually, it was it was in uh, in one of the showrooms of the the, the film, which which was to me like not one of the key scenes in the in, in the film. You know, it was pretty much about her job. I mean, and eventually some of the ambivalence towards the job mm. and towards the towards fashion and uh, and she was uh, trying those shoes and high heels. And I don't know. I mean, you know, she brought out the uh, the sexy potential of it in ways that I, you know, I had not. Uh, I mean, I didn't imagine we, we we would go we would go that far. But then when she started doing it, I realized she was like hundred percent right. Mm. And and I and I knew that was the way she would approach every single scene. And she was uh, giving us a lot mm. and taking risks. This is perfect. This works. Thank you. This too. See this? Actually, this might be I'd like to see them on you. You don't want to try them on? I. You know her, I, I can't. But you want to? Sure, I mean, you if you could keep your mouth shut, maybe, but you totally dicked me over the last time I did it. Try on the shoes at least. I'll get them. One thing I realized when I was thinking about the film afterwards is that we see the film through her eyes. All the other characters, even if they feel like they're there, they're quite ephemeral. All the other characters are yes. very... Yes, I mean, you know, and it's... Uh, um, most movies about are about perception and about some distortion of it. And uh, I, I think, and this one even more so, I mean, yeah, every character in a way or another belongs part to reality and part to her imagination. Mm. It's really more, more about how you interact with the world, how one person interacts with the rest of the world, mm. as, as opposed to something that has like dramatics based on, on, on that interaction. A movie like Clouds of Sils Marie was about the interaction. It was, it was all about the, mm. the confrontation of those two characters. This one is more about how someone tries to feel her way into a world that's mysterious, where yeah. based on the fact that uh, uh, she thinks there are things visible and things invisible, and she's trying to, in that sense, to be aware to every nuance of what surrounds her. Let's talk about the supernatural, which obviously is a major theme. Were you obsessed at some point in your life? Well, aren't we all? I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's one of the basic questions, you know, of life. Is the material world all of it? I mean, is, there, is that everything? Or are there things happening in other, other areas of our imagination or eventually of reality? I mean, is there another layer to reality? You're never completely at peace with that, with that question. No, no, no one is. I mean, even the most materialistic person knows that uh, we apprehend the world in very... I mean, the world is complex, is mm. it? And, and, uh, and we know that uh, our lives are so much about our inner conversations here I kind of push it like one tiny step further and uh, and and externalize some of those inner conversations, some some of those inner fears, some of those inner anxieties, and and I, I think it's a process that anyone can can understand, and it's also the reason why you I think we react. I mean, it's not a matter of liking or not liking, but how we react to genre filmmaking. Yeah. It's not because it's some external threat; it's because they deal with some internal threat, and that's what and then that's what so uh, disturbing sometimes mm. for us. I get the impression that you quite enjoyed playing and mixing different genre films. I mean, if you look at it on paper, you could describe it as a horror film, but, but that's really not a fair description. No, no it's not. It's, uh, no, no, but, you know, I, I think I use uh, 
what can be perceived as genre elements when I actually do need them. Mm. The same way I would be using a color in a canvas, you know, outside. So, you know, I'm painting a canvas and I need the color red. I mean, I'm going to use, I'm going to, I, I'm, I'm going to use red. And, <laughs> uh, but, 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 but that doesn't mean that I'm painting the whole canvas red. Yeah. You know, it means it's, it's, uh, and, and I, I think that uh, it's all about the dynamics of narrative. I mean, especially when you're dealing, you know, because it's, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's a movie that, of course, can be seen and uh, um, angles uh, through different layers. Mm -hmm. there, there is, I suppose, a more abstract layer. Yeah. It's what we're discussing now. But it's also uh, about, uh, uh, you know, keeping the audience interested, excited. Uh, it's, it's about uh, uh, also uh, not being boring, you know, just making, a, make, make, making an, an, an exciting film. So uh, some, sometimes when you're dealing with abstract ideas, maybe you, 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 you can twist them and make them uh, actually f fun or exciting or, or, or scary. That's when you use genre elements. I mean, you know, it's uh, someone I immensely admire, uh, David Cronenberg. That's the way he functions. I think that David Cronenberg uh, makes very serious film about deep issues, except, you know, there, there is this kind of suspense and genre elements that makes his movie fascinating. That's interesting. You're making me think as well that, that, that she never stops in the film as well. Tra traveling from France to London on on, on a motorbike crowded with bags, yeah, yeah, yeah. It never, never stopping. Yeah, it's uh, she. I, I, you know, I like the idea of someone who's doing a difficult job, mm -hmm. and part of the film is uh, is uh, how her thought process interacts with her job, mm -hmm. which is something which is something uh, that concerns uh, like everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody do. It ultimately, you know, difficult and uh, and, and 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 invasive uh, jobs, uh, and 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 but they survive because they have some kind of inner life. You know, it's it's a, and I, and in in the, in that sense, you know, it's a, again. I mean, to, today we live in extremely materialistic societies who have some kind of who kind of, who who despise the thought process, the, the any you know the um, anything that would sound too intellectual or whatever but i think i i think it's um, wrong i think i think it's uh, it's in our ideas in our fantasies in 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 what's immaterial that we find some consolation some some peace mm -hmm. as, as as opposed to being you know slaves to our jobs yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. i think it's quite nice asking you know if you incredible um, amount of films that you've made now. I, I mean, it, it sounds like you're always trying to challenge yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's that, that's what's exciting. That's what's exciting, you know, because, because when you finish making a film, it's not like you feel that you can do much more going in that direction. I mean, you just put everything you could in, in, in that film. And uh, so now just to, you know, just to, to, to get excited, uh, to, to have, you, you know, to build back your desire uh, you need to go in another direction you know do something you've never done try something you've never tried and it has to be challenging if it's not challenging it's boring you know because it, because it's it's if all of a sudden you start doing the stuff you've already been doing you know it's 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 and 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 i i think also movies are so much about the present you know they they, they try to capture something that's uh, floating around and and, uh, and and channel it and and so it's um, it, it's it's kind of important that your writing be uh, in sync with your, um, your, your, your emotions, but in, also in terms of moving forward. You, 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 I need to feel I'm moving forward with every film. So we made this oath. Whoever died first would send the other a sign. 
a son from, from the afterlife. You could call it that. You could call it a million things. But how do you know if it's a son? I'm a medium. He was, he was a medium. I'll just know it. A duo of films which fit perfectly together. If asked, Personal Shopper would be the first film I would recommend from Olivier. A fresh genre-jumping piece of cinema, all carried by a powerful performance by Stewart. I'm Ben Eshmade. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. Here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds and themed series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.